Before we get started, we just wanted to read a quick disclaimer. First and foremost, this is a comedy slash true crime podcast. We are a few guys who like to laugh and crack jokes. We understand the nature of the topic is very disheartening and grim, but our aim here is to bring to light these real-life situations so you, the listener, can be more aware of your surroundings and hopefully laugh alongside with us. We will not make jokes about the victims or the families impacted by the unfortunate situations, but we will make jokes about the perpetrator or anywhere we see fit. If you don't believe people should be joking about this subject, or if you are expecting a more serious retelling of the event, or if you do not like commentary and banter on the subject, then this is not the podcast for you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Will. And I'm Octavio. And today we're celebrating our 30th episode. Yay! (laughs) That's sound. Well, technically the 32nd, but I'm counting this as the official 30th. So just get yeah. my fucking back about uh, it, please. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll change the uh, the last one to 29.5. Okay, thank you. And then, really... then Brian's thing is just, you know, it's his own thing. It's, it doesn't really count as oh. ours. Okay, cool, yeah, cool. So well, I, this is 30. Okay, good. Today's our 30th. Yay! <laughs> so... Today we'll be discussing possibly the most famous unsolved murder. And I say most famous because it's still going on and it's still pretty highfalutin. Um, uh, one of the most famous unsolved murder mysteries of all time. So grab your cipher and try and decode this episode. And join us in these bloodthirsty times. on a small scale what governments do on a large one they are a product of the times and these are bloodthirsty times well <clears throat> welcome back everybody i had another prosperous uh trip to las vegas yeah, did you have a good time i did Good. I mean, who doesn't have a good time in Vegas? Uh, it was not prosperous. I may have been a <laughs> fibber there, but um, at least it was fun. We went out there for a bachelor party, which is my my very first bachelor party. Oh, really? I've never at, been to one. At, at age 31. Oh, no, I lied. I, uh, we went with Kyle to New Orleans. That was fun. Oh, NOLA. Hell yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. We went golfing, as you do. Um, and then... No, we, no. People don't usually do that when they go to Vegas. Oh, no? No, that's not a normal Vegas thing. Well, it's a missed opportunity because they have beautiful golf courses out there. And for all those golfers listening out there, Stallion Mountain. You got to go. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we went to a, uh, well, a, a little story for you guys. Uh, we plan on going to a strip club as you do on bachelor parties. Yeah, that's more normal. Yeah, and we were trying to figure out which strip club we should go to. How do you and, decide that? Um, word of mouth from people on the street, right? It's not those people with the flyers gonna, and handing yeah. it to you. you know, they slap the card and then they give it to yeah, you. Yeah, they're doing a little flick, flick, flick. Yeah. Um, that helps, but also word of mouth. And uh, we were going to go to a place called, uh, I think it was called Little Darlings. But I guess I was like a, a CD. I took an Uber and I was talking to the driver. It was a, a female. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're probably going to go to Little Darling. She's like, 
why? I'm like, I don't know. They said it was a good strip club. She's like, yeah, if you want them to just fall asleep on the couch. I'm like, what? What do you mean? She's like, yeah, it's all they're all druggies there. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to worry about giving someone Narcan. So what's your next best bet? And somehow treasures came up in the mix and sounds classy. It was pretty classy. Yeah. It's, it's they have a steakhouse in the strip club. Yep. Okay. Dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. So long story short, the, my buddy, Greg, who's a fan of the show, shout out, Greg Valenzuela. Um, he arranged to have this like party limo pick us up. Cause there were seven of us to take us to treasures and you show up at the front door and there's two doors, one's for the steakhouse and one's for the actual strip club. <laughs> nice. Dude, it, it was fucking funny. <clears throat> In any case, we get into the strip club and you know, they, they greet you at the door and they sit down with you at the, the couches and we have bottle service and you know, they start saying like, Oh, let's go to the private rooms. And they start listing off the prices, which man, I don't know if they're inflated in Vegas or what, but they're like, oh yeah, we can do uh, 60 minutes for $1,000. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Uh, you can do 30 minutes for uh, 500 or you can do 15 minutes for 300. I'm like, whoa, what kind of prices are we dealing with here? <clears throat> I spent a little bit of money there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have a choice. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I say that to say this. There was two uh, Russian twins twins basil twins uh that started talking to me and they're like oh yeah you can you know take us up and you know you get to pay double i'm like how much money do you think i make and they're like well what do you do for a living and i told them well i work in ems and they both laughed and walk away <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was a the easiest way to get rid of you know the strippers that wanted the money yeah but also a kick to the nuts. Cause no, like, yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> they're just like, oh, yeah. strippers laugh at you for your job choice. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, you don't make shit. Yeah, they, I mean, strippers in Vegas make tons of money. So I'm, they have every right to be like, eh, you don't make enough money for us. What they don't tell you is, you know, I haggled them down to like, you know, 20 bucks or uh, 200 bucks to go up for like a 15 minute thing. Nice. And then when you get up there, they're like, oh, you have to buy three drinks. And it's going to be $75 for three drinks. Oh, geez. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck you guys. Whatever. I'll go yeah. into credit card debt, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> See, every, ever since, I forgot what movie it was, or it might have been, um, yeah, there's a few movies that do it, but Kyle and I, when we were in Vegas, one of our main things was to find a strip club with like, you know, you see people in movies like eating a buffet while they're looking at girls getting undressed have you ever uh -huh. seen that in movies mm -hmm. i have you ever seen one of those in real life because i've never seen it and i want to go there so bad just for no. the buffet really just to be like oh these wings are delicious oh and there's a girl undressing yeah it's funny you mention that because uh my buddy greg was telling me the last bachelor party he went to with uh one of his good friends mason the strip club that i went to had a uh, breakfast buffet and they look back and they see their buddy mason with like just like full omelets, just fucking just eating them up. Yeah. Like, that's, what, are you, what are you doing? He's like, when, dude, they have a buffet here. Right. Yeah, I'm with them. I would be right there with them. Like, hell yeah, dude. This, check out this buffet. There could be like the hottest like girl like, getting undressed behind. Like, dude, there's a buffet. I don't know what to yeah. tell you, man. Hold on, man. They got eggs Benedict here. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. my uh, 
it's my Vegas story that now put me into even more debt, and I get to go again in November. So, oh, good. If you don't hear from me after November, the mob got me because <laughs> you owe so much money to treasures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in all fairness, if you're in the Vegas area and you're looking for like a like classy side of, of you know, for strip clubs, treasures is probably the way to go. It was actually really nice. It was really nice. Yeah, good. <clears throat> Very expensive, but really nice. But in any case, let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, let's get this going. These are the deaths without answers and the families without closure. I will be telling the stories and cases of the unfortunate with no real conclusions. Yeah. I mean, today. Groovy. Yeah, we're we're going back in time a little bit. We're going to be talking about the Zodiac Killer. And like I said earlier, this has to be probably one of the most famous unsolved murder cases to date. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of people who obsess over this case, and there's movies, and that movie's actually really good with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh that yeah, movie's actually, that movie's actually really good. But, yeah, I, um, I, I talk about it a little bit, and the the author that wrote the the book and turned into the motion the motion picture. Is that yeah. how I say it? Yes. But I mean, <clears throat> five confirmed murders, two injured, and possibly another twenty to twenty eight murders. Although the Zodiac killer claimed he killed thirty seven, but you know what makes this case even more mysterious and chilling was the fact that he created his own cryptograms that stumped even the smartest of researchers. Yeah. You know, people that were professional, you know, deciphers. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. People still like obsessed with this over over this kind of stuff today. Like I think this year some of the ciphers were quote unquote claimed to be uh, the last two, right? The the smallest ciphers that are hard to do because there's such a small uh, yeah, sample size. Yeah, Z32 and Z13. Yeah, the, so the 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 Zs is the, the from the zodiac, and then the number is the how many letters are in that cryptogram. So um, yeah, char- how many a, characters? How yeah. many characters? Yeah, how many characters in the cryptogram? So people have been obsessing over this thing forever. I mean, like literally till this year, like like a month ago, like people like spend their lives trying to figure this out of who this guy is because apparently, according to him, his name is is in there, right? Yeah, so in in the Z13, uh, he says, like, hey, did you guys freaking break my, you know, cipher from earlier? Also, this is my name. And then has a 13-character uh, uh, cryptogram that has not been solved yet. So he, he claims to have killed 37 people? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. Yeah, well... You can say whatever you want when people don't know who the hell you are. Yeah, yeah. You really can, and they do. Yeah. I mean, there's been a, like, a lot of these cases that we've covered. People have come forward saying that they are the person, like the, the axe murder of New Orleans, for example, that people came forward like, I am him, but it's not. You know, people just want their 15 minutes of fame, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And there are, you know, tons of conspiracy theories revolving around this case, um, and there's a couple I, I'll – dive into when it comes to who they think the <clears throat> the actual killer is mm-hmm. but let me take you to school with a history lesson to get us in the mood for some death now let's go back in time 
1968, where this all began. 1968 was possibly the most action-packed Bruce Willis and Die Hard-esque single years in history. Marked by historic achievements, shocking assassinations, and a much-hated war, with a spirit of rebellion that swept through countries all over the world. Shit was popping off in 68. Yeah, it was. And the U.S. was still deeply embroiled in the Vietnam War. 68 took us for a ride. You know, first there was a Tet Offensive in January, which was just a nut shot to start off the year, followed by the U.S. State Department announcing the highest U.S. casualty toll of the Vietnam War to date. 543 American GIs killed in action, 2,547 wounded. So suffice it to say, 68 was off to an explosive start. Yeah. And my music's really short, so I'm not going to play it again. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to jump ahead to April 4th in Memphis, Tennessee. And anyone that paid attention in history class in high school should know this historic date. Although I'm sure Octavio was all stony baloney for the most of his <laughs> high school career. Octavio, if you would, please tell us, our, please tell our lovely audience what happened on April 4th of 1968. Um, 68 was something about Martin Luther King being dead? Close. It was the death of personally one of my favorite Italian actors, Erno Crisa. Yeah, that's what, that was my second guess. I was like, I was, I was gonna say Erno Crisa, but you know, I, I went with Martin Luther King. Sixty-eight was a big year for him, you know, being yeah. dead and all. Yeah, now, I understand being on the fence about it. Yeah, but... yeah, I should have said uh, I should have gone with yeah. my gut on that one. Yeah, but apart from Erno Crisa dying, uh, no, MLK was assassinated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> so you were right. Okay, because I, I really thought Erno Crisa was an important person. <laughs> He was. Come on, man. No, I mean, like, Martin Luther King is a whole different level of importance. Yeah, different countries. Okay. <laughs> Do you know, you really had me like, was I really that wrong? I thought he died in 68. <laughs> I didn't know what day he died. I just know he died in 68, so I took a guess. No, same day. Okay. My favorite Italian actors and MLK Jr. Okay. All right, but- good. You had me questioning my uh, knowledge of stuff for a second. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, but seriously uh martin luther king jr was assassinated after giving one of the most chilling speeches which many believe was a foreshadowing of his own death i've seen the promised land i may not get there with you but i want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land and then he was shot at his hotel Mm. it's pretty crazy yeah but he knew he, knew he wasn't going to get there with him. Yeah. I, I, but they had, they, he knew that because they had been harassing him for the past year. Like they had been basically, there was even like CIA confirmation. They were like, the president was like, hey, go ahead and kill yourself, dude. If you don't, we will. Yeah. Uh, just go into hiding or kill yourself because yeah. there's people after you. Yeah. They tried to paint him as this monster the whole year. Yeah. So he knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. And he said it in his speech. Mm-hmm was pretty creepy but anyways as the year went on crazy things still continue to happen the protests at the end of april over the vietnam war and in may we had bloody monday which happened in paris where protesters clashed with police causing hundreds of injuries and then robert f kennedy was assassinated 
Nixon became the 37th president, and we all know how that turned out. Yeah, great. <laughs> great. I'm not a crook. <laughs> uh, Apollo 8 orbited the moon, and finally the Zodiac Killer came to life. What a fucking year. What a fucking year. That is <laughs> right. I thought 2020 was bad. Uh, speaking of Robert F. Kennedy, you know, uh, Searson Serhan, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's up getting, for parole. Yeah, yeah he's going to get released. Uh, yeah, I was reading the whole story because. Uh, it's kind of related. Yeah, none of the prosecutors from the time can be there for his uh, appeals trial. And so, yeah, it's. Yeah, so he's probably most likely getting out, right? Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. It's America. <laughs> but let's focus on why I gave you this history refresher because we are in for a doozy. <clears throat> and as Samuel Jackson so eloquently put it, hold on to your butts. So now the Zodiac Killer first showed his ugly mug in December of 1968. Now, the Zodiac Killer revealed his name because prior to that, he wasn't calling himself the Zodiac. It was just unknown. But he chose it for himself in a series of taunting and super creepy letters and cards that he mailed to the local newspapers, threatening killing sprees and bombings if they failed to print his letters. Now, these letters included very detailed and highly sophisticated cryptograms that even one of them now still unsolvable, but the most recent it took 51 years to crack now we start the bloodshed on december 20th 1968 in benicia california which is located in the north bay region of san francisco and the uh, vast majority of these murders uh happened in that that's san fran bay area yeah now these first murders involved two high school sweethearts out on their first date 17-year-old David Arthur Faraday and 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen. The couple had originally planned to attend a Christmas concert at the local Hogan High School, which was roughly three blocks away from Betty Lou's house. Man, 1968 and her name is Betty Lou? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, like, it's just, it always, like, uh, like, it, what's the what's word I'm looking for? It's just, like, that picturesque time, you know, like, Oh yeah, if someone's back name is Betty day, Lou. It's Betty like Betty oh, Lou, and back in the day with the the old school music and stuff. I don't know. Betty Lou's just a perfect like '60s name. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. It's it, it it's something that if someone you know you named your kid Betty Lou, whatever nowadays, they're like, what? Was she born a grandma? Yeah, what the heck's <laughs> going on? <clears throat> but um, you know, the original plan was to go to the the that Christmas concert. Uh, but they decided to bail on the concert and instead they went to visit a friend and then went to a local restaurant before heading out to Lake Herman Road to the infamous Lover's Lane to get a bit frisky. So you're saying David decided to bail on the concert so he could get some? Yes. Okay. That sounds more right. That would be my uh, idea behind it. Like, yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, we don't oh, need to go on. to the concert. I oh, know a place. It's, it's going to be boring. This, come they on, play Betty this, Lou. Yeah, they play the same songs. Let's go get some food. And I know this great spot with a beautiful view. Yeah. It's a bit dark, but we'll be fine. And 
they made their way up. David parked his mother's Rambler. Man, I I really wanted to live in those times because they had some really cool cars, including the Rambler. Yeah, the the Rambler is the same car pretty much that the um, the alien abduction people had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like I just want a cool car like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he parked the Rambler in a gravel uh, turnout at approximately ten fifteen p.m. But their night would soon turn to tragedy. A local resident, Stella Borges, would be the first to discover the grisly murders of the teens around 11 p.m. After frantically phoning the local authorities, the Solano County Sheriff's Department headed up the investigation of these teenagers' tragic death, but they couldn't come up with any leads on who the possible killer might be or a motive to their brutal and cold-hearted murders. Now, interesting. Straight, straight off the bat, he just started out with two young kids. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was his grand entry into the world, I guess. Yeah. <sighs> now, interesting enough, a local political cartoonist, Robert Graysmith, would utilize uh, publicly available forensic data after the fact and come up with his own thoughts on how the murder occurred. Because, like I said, the sheriff's department, um, they didn't have any leads and they had no information on, you know, yeah, how or why this could have occurred. Um, but this guy just started obsessing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a political cartoonist for the San Francisco Chronicle in 1969 when the Zodiac Killer case was becoming big. And for the next 13 years, he obsessed about the case and pretty much dedicated his uh, whole life and time in trying to decode the cryptograms that were sent to the press in the Zodiac's letters. This is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would go on to write two books about the case, one of them becoming the 2007 motion picture, aptly called Zodiac. Mm -hmm. And he would give up his cartoonist career to deeply investigate and write books for five other high-profile crimes, with yet another one of his books becoming a popular film called Autofocus, which was based on uh, his book, The Murder of Bob Crane, Who Killed the Star of Hogan's Heroes. So this dude loved murder. Octavio, when are you coming out with your own serial killer novel? Oh, man. That, that's such a tall order. <laughs> that's crazy that he... I've never heard of the other book, um, but that he just decided after the um, Zodiac killings that he would just devote his life to unsolved murders? Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember the exact number. He had like maybe like 13 or 14 books, but um, there was a good five of them that were based on um like high profile murders and and crimes and, and and some of them um unsolved like the autofocus yeah that's just crazy that he devoted that much time i mean good for him yeah and i i didn't say it now and they speculate that it was probably the reason why he got his divorce he was married twice and on his second divorce it's because he just dove into murder and mayhem and and devoted his life to, to writing these books. Since, since he was a political cartoonist, was it him that came up with the him wearing the all black outfit with like the zodiac symbol on his chest that everyone no. associates with it? Like, no, I'll talk where does about that. Come? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I talk about that. It's not something he made up. Okay. Anyways, Gray Smith would use forensic evidence collected at the scene of the Lovers Lane murder and formulate this conclusion. 
Just prior to 11 p.m., as the star-crossed lovers were sitting in the Rambler doing whatever teenagers do on Lover's Lane. No wonder. Yeah. Uh, another vehicle would pull into the turnout and park beside them. And would prompt, promptly, like, realizing, like, all right, there's people in the car, disappear, come back, and park behind them. The killer exited the vehicle and approached the young couple. And again, this is coming to conclusions. It's not known stuff. All speculation. Yeah, but probably or possibly ordered them out of the car. It appeared that Betty Lou exited the Rambler first. And when David was halfway out of the car, the killer executed him by shooting him in the head. Damn. Now, Betty Lou, fearing her life, started to run from the car and was promptly shot five times in the back. Her body would be found 28 feet away from the car. Now, who could have committed such a violent act? Residents were wary, and law enforcement had little information to comfort the public as they had no leads. Now, yeah, let's. It's, it's terrifying. Yeah. Just the. It's always the, the random acts of violence that, that scare me the most because usually, not usually, but when there is a cause or there's obvious, like tied to someone else who would want to cause him harm it's like oh okay he did this for this reason not that it's acceptable but it's like okay my mind can wrap around he did it for this reason but when it's just random killings for apparently no reason that's when it's really terrifying mm-hmm. yeah when they talk about oh it was a, a robbery or a home invasion it's like okay i mean equally as terrifying but there was a motive for the, the killer right he's out mm-hmm. for money or right belongings but this was just Shot him dead, walked away. Now, we'll fast forward to July 4th, 1969, roughly seven months after the first murders. The Zodiac would strike again, this time in Vallejo, California, in Blue Rock Springs Park, which is roughly four miles from the site of the first murders. Now, this murder bears a strong resemblance to the murders on Lover's Lane because it involves yet another young couple parked in their car in a dark, isolated location. Darlene Elizabeth Farron, was 22 at the time, and Michael Renault Magyau, sounds French, mm-hmm. 19, they drove into Blue Rock Springs Park just before midnight on July 4th. And as the couple were sitting in Darlene's car, another vehicle approached the lot, parked beside them, and the same thing, drove away. The couple, not thinking much about it, continued about their business until they noticed another pair of headlights approach, roughly 10 minutes later, and park behind the couple's vehicle. The driver would exit the vehicle, approach the passenger side of Darlene's car with a flashlight in hand and a 9mm Luger. As he made his way to the door, he shined the flashlight at the couple and opened fire. Five times, striking the couple multiple times, while several bullets passed through Michael's body and actually struck Darlene. The killer, thinking the deed was done, made his way back to his vehicle, but upon hearing the death moans from Michael, walked back to the couple's vehicle and then shot them both two more times before eventually leaving the scene. Brutal, that's awful yes um i don't know if you get into it uh but to me so the serial killer wasn't really like in quote unquote invented till like the mid 70s 
with you know Ted Bundy and all the big ones so at this point this is seven months after the first murders and to me it just they associated with the same guy right away just because it was so similar because uh, back in the day before the, the term before the FBI came up with you know Quantico came up with serial killer there wasn't really they didn't really think that way in the late 60s correct but he admits to him so the only reason he so they didn't associate these two until he said oh by the way I did this yes okay even though they were relatively close in proximity they weren't yes. thinking along seven the lines months. of yeah seven months is actually a very long time if you think about it well seven for, months and, and four miles away so like proximity like uh, when it comes to the crime scenes yeah yeah um but they they didn't have that mindset they're like oh just someone else killed two people they don't think it's the same yeah the same they usually person. didn't it just wasn't a concept to them yeah and uh, I, he'll go on to and i'll go on to explain like what the how the police caught wind of this is a serial killer we have on our hands so hearing the death moans shot them again two times and uh darlene would eventually succumb to her injuries but to everyone's surprise michael survived the attack even after being shot in the face neck and chest and was even able to describe the killer a white male short light brown curly hair approximately 26 to 30 years old and about five foot eight and weighing somewhere between 195 to 200 pounds this gave authorities a pretty good description of the killer and the apb was put out killer on the loose armed and dangerous i mean yeah it's a good description but think about san francisco in the late 60s that's kind of generic oh you're saying white dude with uh Curly yeah, long brown pretty, hair. pretty much everything about him was pretty generic for the time. Yeah, especially like San Francisco, North San Francisco. I mean, it's not really much diversity there. Yeah, but they knew it was a white dude. Yeah, but like I, I said, not much diversity to go on. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, weirdly enough, the Zodiac would call the Vallejo Police Department about twelve hours later, claiming responsibility for the attack, and also for the murders of the couple at Lovers Lane not seven months prior. But he also gave very specific details to the murders that only the killer would know, like the exact weapon that was used in the attack. Police would then trace the call to a payphone only a few blocks away from the police station. Yeah, that's... Dude, the cojones on this dude. Yeah, that's ballsy. (coughs) Yeah, a couple blocks away. Now, a couple weeks would go by before the Zodiac Killer made his presence known with the creation of his first cryptogram called the 408, which was named that because it had 408 symbols. He sent three different parts of his cryptogram to three different newspapers, the Vallejo Times Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner, and told them that if they did not publish his freakish letters, that he would cruise around all weekend, killing lone people in the night, and then move on to kill again, until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. Damn. It seems that only one newspaper took the threat seriously, the San Francisco Chronicle, and decided to place it on page four of the next day's edition. Oh, that's such a slap in the face. (laughs) Like, what a fuck you to the Zodiac. You can't even get the front page headlines. They just mm. put it next to the, like 
the fucking local dog and pony show with a quote from the Vallejo police chief at the time, Jack E. Stilts, who said, you know what? We're not satisfied that the letter was written by the murderer and then requested a second letter confirming his identity. They just didn't believe him. Oh, but she, yeah. yeah. They said, all right, prove See, it. It was ballsy of the uh, guy to call just a few blocks away, but it's even way more ballsy from the police people to just be like, yeah, probably not. Yeah, it's probably not him. Uh, go ahead and send us a second letter, sir, and uh, <laughs> confirm your identity. Yeah, if you would be so kind, tell us who you are exactly where you live. Yeah. But the chief, I guess, effectively called his bluff to, because the murders that the Zodiac had threatened didn't happen. And then soon after, the other two parts of his cryptogram were published. Six days after the initial letters were received, the Zodiac sent a second letter to the San Francisco Examiner as a response to the chief of police calling his bullshit. The letter stated with, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking, which this is the first time the killer actually referred to himself as the Zodiac. So it only took him two letters to get here? Before, it was just the, the unknown. Now he's like... Honestly, this is... what a fucking nerd. <laughs> he had a name for himself as a killer. Like, man, how cool would it be if I was just a Zodiac? Oh, man. Yeah, what, people a, would be what, so scared of the Zodiac. Yeah, what's a cool name? Uh, what, do Zodiac. that nerd voice you do, like... You want to be an editor? This is the, uh, the Zodiac speaking. <laughs> it's exactly what I picture him like. Yeah. Just some nerd. But he knows how to murder, so it's kind of scary. Um... But, you know, again, this being the first time he actually referred to himself as Zodiac, he would include more details to the murders, which had been kept from the public. So there was no way some random person could have known the information and would essentially prove that he had killed those three victims. The letter also included a message to the police saying that when they crack his code, they will have me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, don't believe believe that e I don't believe yeah, that either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go into like the the Z thirteen and uh and what's been cracked and what hasn't. But yeah, I, I don't think he'll ever. Mm -mm. I don't think it was ever his intention. He, no. he first of all his because I, I think of him as a giant nerd. He probably like his uh, ego would not allow him like. Well, actually, no. If you think about it, if he had the ego to his cipher would never be cracked then he would put his name, he in, would it. Put his name in it. But yeah, I, I exactly. don't think, I don't think he, his intention was for his, I think he wanted people to know him as, because his name is a Zodiac. So they needed people to crack the code. Otherwise it's not fun, you know, for him. Um, so I no, don't think he ever a, planned. Yeah. I don't think he ever planned on telling anybody his name. No, this was a game to him. Yeah. He, he, that it was that just wanting you know, that adrenaline rush of people looking for him and, and yeah, trying to yeah. crack his codes. So. That's what I'm saying. Like he, his, he named himself the Zodiac then sent cryptogram. So I think for the game to work, they have to be decipherable. Mm -hmm. So I don't, like I said, I don't think he ever intended or planned on saying, telling anybody his name. I don't think so either. We're on the same page. I like it. Yeah, good. Now it only took another day for his 408 cryptogram to be cracked and it wasn't done by the quote-unquote professionals who struggled to figure out his cipher oh yeah this has always been one of my favorite parts of the story yeah it was yeah. solved in roughly 20 hours by two teachers in california donald jean and betty june harden 
yet again another perfect 60s name betty june harden betty june harden and i, I like how i had to specify in california because it happened in california but mm-hmm. it just that's the the facts of the nature i guess yeah <clears throat> now I had mentioned conspiracy theories and some believe that the two were actually the Zodiac killer because of how quickly and easily they solved the cryptogram compared to the professionals who, yeah, the, the actual code crackers that worked for the case, the yeah. FBI code crackers. Yeah. Now the 408 cryptogram, uh, contained 40 or 40, my dyslexia is kicking in 54 different, uh, cipher symbols and 25 letters. And the teachers realized that they were looking at a homophonic, almost said homophobic, <laughs> homophonic substitution cipher, which I am way too dumb to explain what it is. But basically, one letter in the alphabet can replace by another letter in the alphabet. But it starts getting tricky when the letter can be replaced by multiple different letters. That makes sense. No. Okay, so if in a letter, instead of using an A, you use a D. Right, so it's offset okay. by three. Yes, but then when that uh, A can also be substituted with an X or an H, it becomes a, a lot more difficult to decipher because you don't know which one it is until you start writing them out and making it form actual words or sentences. Uh, yeah, but that just seems like they're <laughs> forcing a message. Like they're just making it fit. Uh, yes, but that's the difficulty with the the homophonic substitution ciphers. Because yeah, I, mean, I guess not, that's why it was so hard for them. Yeah, because it's not they, a, were, they were they probably had like okay, this is what this means, and when it didn't equal that, they're like, what the fuck is the code? Yeah, you have to write it so many damn times to actually be like, oh, okay, this is starting to make sense, because everything else was linear. Right. Yeah. D is an A. Cool. I can figure that out. But when it's a D is not an A, it's a C, then it becomes very difficult. And it's even more like uh, tricky because did he make a bunch of errors within his cryptogram as well? Like, so uh, you already have a cryptic gram in, just by nature. And then you have typos within that cryptogram. So it's just like, it, it makes it even more complicated because he messed up his own code. Yes. Because even in letter letters that he sent, which weren't, in cryptograms, they were just, he wrote full out sentences full of typos. So it made it very difficult. <clears throat> but they were able to decipher it. And this is what the 408 said. Wait, am I going nerdy or am I going? Hey, whatever you feel. Okay. Um, you know what? Let's make this ominous. Ready? Yeah. Give me, give me some of that background music. Oh, yeah? Here, I'll give mm-hmm. it to you. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than a killing wild game in the forest because man, man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. Something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and all that I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow me down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. Nice. And I know you listeners can't see the text, but 
again, like I said, includes multiple typos and what could only be described as some sort of talking in tongues bullshit at the end. Yeah. In any case, it's creepy as shit. And it kind of gives you a glimpse inside the mind of this fucking lunatic. Mm Mm-hmm. And just over a month later, he would strike again. This time in the beautiful wildscape of Napa Valley. This is one of the more, I don't want to say famous, but more well-known attacks, right? Because it's like broad daylight, like the picnic one? Yeah, it was not necessarily broad daylight, but it was during that it was 630 at night, roughly. Yeah. So it wasn't pretty bright out. It wasn't dark. There was still daylight out. This this is like the... uh, like American Horror Story, they went during their clown season. Uh, this was like the very first like intro. It was like a Southern, Northern California like opening scene, nice and beautiful. People having a picnic, and then the clown comes up, and he's basically reenacting what uh, Zodiac did in real life. Mm-hmm. So this this has been done in multiple movies, you know, scary movies over time. So this one is uh, it's also the most brutal and to me the the worst attack. Like it, it's just rough really rough yeah and this is kind of where we get into that um you know what you had asked earlier about that depiction of the guy in the the, yeah the black suit with the crosshair and the the hood looks he looks like a an old school um uh executioner thank you yeah yeah so suffice it to say this is i mean this all has been pretty bad trigger warning stuff but right here is definitely major trigger warning yes so let's get into it. Lake Berryessa. It's the largest lake in the Napa Valley region. And this was a spot that two Pacific Union College students, 20-year-old Brian Calvin Hartnell and 22-year-old Cecilia Ann Shepard, decided to set up a picnic. And these two were couples as well. So you can you might have noticed a trend. Mm-hmm. The killer seems to find couples alone and strike when they are the most vulnerable. Almost like he's a giant nerd who can't get a girl. Yes. But this time he struck when there was still daylight. As they were enjoying their picnic, they noticed a man roughly 5'11 walking towards them wearing a black executioner-style hood with sunglasses covering the eye holes. And they specifically mentioned like the flip-up style sunglasses, Mm. like the clip-on. You can flip them up. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, but he also had what looked like a bib over his chest with a white symbol that looked like a crosshair for a sniper scope. And that would be the Zodiac's symbol. Yeah, what he always signed his letters with, wouldn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point in time, I would have noped the fuck out of there. But unfortunately for them, he was also carrying a forty-five in his right hand. So they were frozen in fear as this vision of hell approached them. Now, as this mysterious stranger drew near, he started telling the couple that he was an escaped convict from a jail in either Colorado or Montana because he mentioned uh, a jail with a two-word name. And later authorities would uh, infer that he was talking about a jail in Deer Lodge, Montana. But this was all a ruse. He told them he killed a guard stole a car and was now demanding money and their own car to escape to Mexico because the car he had stolen was too hot. The killer then told him, I'm going to tie you up and had plastic clothesline cut into six foot strips, which he tied them with. 
and he tied their hands behind their backs and then their hands between their legs. The man then said, I'm going to have to stab you people. Brian said, please stab me first. I'm chicken. I, I, I couldn't stand to see her stabbed. The killer obliged. I'll do just that. He stabbed Brian until he passed out. And the poor girl just had to watch until she was knifed and fainted. When the killer stabbed Brian, it was deliberate. When he stabbed Cecilia, he laughed in a frenzy. Brian had been stabbed 10 times with a thin 12-inch blade, while Cecilia, whose writhing provoked the killer's laughter, had been stabbed 24 times. As she was being knifed in the back, she rolled over and was subsequently stabbed in each breast, in the stomach, and in the groin, which is the pattern of the cross. Mm. The killer, assuming both victims were dead, hiked roughly 500 yards back up the road to the couple's car, drew the same symbol that was on his chest on the door of the car, and wrote beneath it, Vallejo, 122068, 7469, September 27th, 69, 630, by knife, which were all of his murders to date. Damn. About an, yeah, yeah. He put his mark on the car. Yeah, and then he dated all the deaths. But this mm-hmm. one is uh, much more different than the rest. This is very personal. He went up to them, and uh, he um, just, you know, like he he shot the rest of the people. And with this one, he stabbed these people. And like I said, you can watch this on American Horror Story. Pretty much played out exactly how it goes. Um, but I know that uh, after this death, like an hour later, and like, so this happened at 6.30, so like at 7.40, uh, the killer himself called the Nappy County Sheriff's Office from, yeah, from a payphone. And he called to brag about his latest kill. And I remember, uh, I don't know if, I read this earlier today, actually. Uh, he told the dispatcher, I want to report a murder. No. A double murder. There are they are two miles north of the park headquarters. They are in a white Volkswagen Carmen Gia, and I'm the one that did it. Yeah, I mean, that's again ballsy behavior. Yeah. Minutes later, um, uh, law enforcement would locate the payphone where he made that chilling call and found the phone still off the hook. And can you guess where this payphone was? A couple, a, a couple blocks away from the sheriff's office? Yeah. He's just toying with them. At, th- at this point, it's, it's probably safe to say this guy is just toying with the police, goading them to try and catch them. Like, this is just a big game to him. The most dangerous game. Yeah, he called it. In one of his letters, yeah. he straight up said it's a game. Yeah, the most dangerous game? Yeah. <laughs> See, see what I did there? Yeah, I do. I see what you did there. Uh, sorry. I'm having to fill Brian's stupid punny jokes in his absence, but... <laughs> Wait, where's the wheeze? <laughs> yeah, it's close enough. Yeah. It's close enough. Yeah. But I digress. I, it just, it, it's showing a, a trend with him. You know, he kills someone, and then he brags about it to the, the police, and he does it from a payphone that is blocks away from the, the, the police station. 
saying like, look how close you were to catching me. I was right here. Now a man and his son who had been fishing nearby heard the victims screaming for help and went to investigate. After finding them stabbed and bloodied, they contacted the park rangers for immediate assistance. As Napa County Sheriff's deputies arrived on scene, Cecilia was still conscious at the time and was able to give a description to the responding deputies. And then both victims were taken to Queen of the Valley Hospital in Napa. While en route to the hospital, Cecilia fell into a coma and would never regain consciousness. She would sadly die two days later. It's just, it's still crazy how she survived enough to give a full description after being stabbed, what? 24 like, times. 24 times? And in both both breasts and the stomach. Yeah. Uh, obviously, she got one, two, four, so 20 times in the back, roughly. That's, I don't know. That's how you could survive that. It's crazy. Just the willpower it takes. Yeah. The fight and f- the, the the fight or flight, you know, mm-hmm. knowing like, hey, I just got to stay alive to tell someone who did it and what they look like. It's pretty crazy to me. Yeah. Brian uh, would survive the horrific attack and tell his own harrowing story to the press. Napa County Detective Ken Narlow, who was the um, initial detective assigned to the case, would continue to look for the killer until his retirement in 1987 although he was never able to identify the suspect. Now, moving ahead, we're, we're going into uh, kind of like the downtown area of San Francisco. Mason and Geary Streets, one block west from Union Square in San Francisco. Paul Stein was driving his cab on October 11th, 1969, around 10 p.m., when he picked up a white male passenger who requested to be taken to Washington and Maple Streets in Presidio Heights. Paul, for unknown reasons, would actually drive one block past Maple, and before he could return back, he was shot once in the head with a 9mm. The passenger took Paul's wallet, his cab keys, and the important part is he tore a piece of his blood-stained shirt. Now, the crime was witnessed by three teenagers who called the police immediately to report the murder or the shooting. They probably didn't know it was a murder at the time, but they described the suspect to the dispatcher and informed them that he was wiping down the inside of the cab before proceeding to walk north. Officers would catch up with the white male about two blocks away who was walking on the sidewalk and then would walk up the stairway into a nearby home. Now, the encounter with that white male lasted about five to ten seconds. Now, why is that? It's because the officer's report on the description of the white male was similar to the one that the teenager that the teenagers initially reported. But even though the descriptions matched, the officers were told to look out for a black suspect. And so they just wrote off that white male they observed earlier and went looking for a black male suspect. Why do they? They don't know. They just, something, information got mixed and uh, the dispatcher had told uh, responding officers to be on the lookout for a black suspect, not a white do, one. Do they know where that address was and who lived there? Did they, uh, or did they just not even no, take any notes on it at all? They, they just forgot completely? Yep. They just saw the white male stop for a second and then... So they, it's, it's he, possible that that house is where the guy lived? 
Um, I wouldn't say where the guy lived. Well, he was going uh, up to a, a house. Yeah, he... yeah. You probably saw law enforcement behind him and just like, oh, I'm just gonna pretend I'm walking into a house. Mm. And uh, he, I don't know if I cover his talk about it earlier, but basically he's like, yeah, yeah, you almost got me, meaning that was him walking. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. See, there goes the cops. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, they they just let him go. They were looking out for a black suspect, I, and, and and no one knows where this this confirmation or this announcement of a black guy came from. No, it just the dispatcher said, "Hey, be on the lookout for a, a black suspect." I don't know. Mm-hmm. Seems off. I don't know either, but it is what it is. Yeah. And after a frantic search, law enforcement came up empty-handed. The three teenagers met with a police sketch artist to compose a sketch of Paul's murder. And then the San Francisco Police Department would investigate an estimated 2,500 suspects over the years. And yet, no one was apprehended. This would be the last confirmed murder by the Zodiac Killer. Confirmed. Confirmed by the Zodiac. Hmm. Meaning, I did this one. Yeah. He would say he did, what, 37, but... Yeah, he only told about five yeah yeah these are the ones that uh he actually had hard evidence that he was the one that did it now how do we know this was the work of the zodiac killer well because he sent yet another letter to the san francisco chronicle claiming credit for the murder and actually contained a piece of paul stein's shirt that was removed at the time of the murder to prove in fact that he was the killer in his letter he also threatened to kill school children on a school bus <gasps> with a plan he already came up with. School children make nice targets. I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning, just shoot out the front tires, and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. His words, not mine. Remember, psychopath. Mm-hmm. Now, at this time, the Zodiac Killer had become somewhat of a celebrity and copycats tend to come out of the shadows trying to catch some of that fame. As we all know it, it happens with a lot of these uh, serial killers. Yeah. Um, but about a week later, Oakland police received a phone call from someone claiming to be the Zodiac Killer and demanded that a prominent lawyer from the area would need to appear on a morning talk show hosted by Jim Dunbar called the AM San Francisco Melvin Belly would be that prominent lawyer that appeared on the talk show, and the Zodiac Killer called into the show to speak with Belly. He used a less ominous nickname when he called in, called himself Sam. Hmm. Now, Sam said he didn't want to reveal his true identity because he was afraid of being sent to the gas chamber, and then arranged to meet Belly outside a shop on Mission Street but no one would show up to that meeting. Investigators were able to trace the phone call to a patient in a mental institution and concluded that he was indeed not the Zodiac killer. So uh, why belly though? I feel like this was belly telling like the mental patient to get him on the show. Mm -mm. So um, the the Zodiac or the, the caller asked for two 
he, there there were two two choices of lawyers. Mm. One was not available, and so Belly was the only uh, lawyer available to go on the show. Mm. So he said, "Hey, right. I need one of these two lawyers to show up on the AM San Francisco," and he gave two names, and Belly was the the only one available to to go on the show. That's how he he was picked. Okay, that, that makes me feel a little more better about yeah. Belly because it kind of at first it sounded like he, Belly was using the uh, what's it called the Zodiac to get onto a sh- talk show. Yeah, it's like Better Call Saul type of stuff. Like yeah, just like some seedy lawyer trying to find any way to get get more clients. <laughs> now, this brings us to the next infamous cryptogram, the Z three forty which was received on November 8th, 1969, and was way more complicated than the 408. This is the one that took 51 years before it was cracked. And it took a whole team of international private citizens, which included an American software engineer, David Orenchak, an Aussie mathematician, Sam Blake, and some Belgian programmer Jar van Eyck. I think I said it right. It sounds like it. Yeah, I liked it. And after successfully cracking the code, they sent the deciphered message to the FBI, who confirmed its authenticity, although it gave no further evidence to the identity of the Zodiac. Now, this is a Z340 after being deciphered. And again, it contained tons of typos. I hope you're having lots of fun. It actually says fan, right? Yeah. So, but he meant fun? Yes. I hope you're having lots of fan and trying to catch me. That wasn't me on TV. Show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else is nothing when they reach paradise so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. Way to make sense, Zodiac. <laughs> Way to go through grammar school, you big idiot. <laughs> big full of dumb. You dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I said it best. <laughs> it... I, when you think about cryptograms and his poor grammar in general, it kind of makes sense why he has a bunch of. Typos, yeah, but even but... his even his message is dumb. Like, yeah. oh, I know that I'm not afraid of death because I have slaves in the afterlife. You're afraid because you don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Cool. Thumbs up. Yeah, but again, when you think of like having to decipher a cryptogram, there might have been uh, misnomers in the people that deciphered it. In they, you know, it's a stab in the dark. Yeah. Sometimes, right? Yeah. And so sometimes they don't get it all right, and this kind of shows it. But yeah, but I'm saying like even if it's not exactly what he's saying, like word for word, the message pretty much is there. Like I'm cool, you're not. I have slaves, you don't. Yeah. Like it's just a dumb message overall. Yeah. It's like all right, cool. Yeah, that's fine. I got paradise. There's a bunch of slaves. Yeah. It's like the whole virgins afterlife thing. Yeah. Yeah similar message now the zodiac 
continued to communicate with authorities for the remainder of the 1970s in the form of letters and greeting cards that he sent to the press. He would send another one of his cryptograms, this time called the Z-32, which claimed to reveal the location of the bomb. This is new evidence now that he has a bomb that he had set, and he came up with a map showing the cities of Berkeley and Oakland, California. Now this is what the letter, or the Z-32, revealed. This is a Zodiac speaking. I have become very upset with the people of San Fran Bay Area. They have not complied with my wishes for them to wear some nice crosshair symbol buttons. I promised to punish them if they did not comply by annihilating a full school bass. But now school us out for the summer. So I punished them in another way. I shot a man sitting in a parked car with the 38 Zodiac 12 SFPD-0. This map coupled with this code will tell you where the bomb is set. You have until next fall to dig it up. Signed, Zodiac. And it was signed with the the Zodiac symbol. Mm -hmm. Whatever says signed Zodiac. But again, he put his, his kill count. Zodiac 12, San Francisco PD-0. So he's bragging about his kill count. In every one of his like future letters, he keeps ramping up his kill count. I figured it out. The uh, people who were like hell-bent on de- deciphering his code were just like, this nerd's got to pay. <laughs> like, yeah. This, this guy's got to go down. Yeah, it's like that. Just because the, they annoy him. Yeah, it's like the, the Netflix series uh, or show or docu series uh don't mess with cats yeah it's exactly it's exactly that you're a bunch you're antagonizing yeah you're antagonizing them so these people are going to bring you down (laughs) yep now there was another letter that was sent and uh this one was received on july 26 1970 and this letter read this is a zodiac speaking Being that you will not wear some nice crosshair buttons, how about wearing some nasty crosshair buttons? Or any type of crosshair buttons that you can think up if you do not wear a type of crosshair buttons. (laughs) He says it so many times. Yeah, I know. I shall, on top of everything else, torture all 13 of my slaves that I have waiting for me in paradise. Some I shall tie over anthills and watch them scream and twitch and squirm. Others shall have pine splinters driven under their nails and burned. Others shall be placed in cages and fed salt beef until they are gorged, and I shall listen to their pleas for water, and I shall laugh at them. (laughs) Others will hang by their thumbs and burn in the... I will rub them down with deep heat to warm them up. Others, I shall skin them alive and let them run around screaming. And all the billiard players, I shall have them play in a dark dungeon, all with crooked cues uh, and twisted shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I shall have great fun inflicting the most delicious of pain to my slaves. Zodiac 13, SFPD 0. Who but the task of filling up the blanks, I'd rather leave up to you. But it really doesn't matter whom you place upon the list, for none of them be missed, none of them be missed. 
P.S. The empty Diablo code concerns radians and the hashtag inches along the radians. Was he the first one to use the hashtag? No, it was uh like meaning like a number of inches. Oh man! If you, I was if you he was in. yeah, if you look at the actual letter, which uh, this is probably one of them that I'll include in the post. Uh huh. Because it kind of shows his writing, um, and it's Mount Diablo. Sorry, I should have wrote out Mount. Um, yeah, he talks about uh, radians and number of inches along those radians. Hmm. But I think it's funny that in all of that and all of this, like, put you over ant hills and drive splinters. Or like, he's hey, gonna you... give them crooked cues. Yeah. That's why I was hey, laughing. Hey, you that play was cool? actually me laughing in his voice because I can't believe he was saying that. Yeah. Hey, you play cool? <laughs> All right, cool. I'm going to put you in a dark dungeon so you can't see the balls. I'm going to give you a crooked cue. And, and twisted uh, shoes. Yeah, and twisted shoes. Have fun. <laughs> like, that's such a devilish thing to do. Or feeding them salted beef and be like, oh, you want water? Huh? You want water? Are you parched? Yeah. He's, he's diabolical. This fucking dude. Now, mentioning those inches and radians, uh, in 1981... A close examination of the radian hint that was given by the zodiac led to the discovery that a radian angle, when placed over the map per the zodiac's instructions, actually pointed to the locations of the two zodiac attacks. Hmm. So they were able to decipher his nonsense and actually look it like, oh, this guy's smart. That actually points to. Yeah, he his, actually uh, took the time to figure out a code yeah. on it. Now we're reaching the end of the Zodiac because he sent a final letter and this was received on January 29th, 1974. I saw and think the exorcist was the best satirical comedy that I've ever seen signed yours truly. He plunged himself into the billowy wave and an echo arose from the suicide's grave. Twiddle-loo, twiddle-loo, twiddle-loo. Tit-willow. Sure. Yes, <laughs> if I do not see this note in your paper, I will do something nasty, which you know I'm capable of doing. Me, 37, San Francisco PD, zero. And I thought I fucking mentioned it but i guess i fucking accidentally took it out um there was a uh uh fucking like base like a like an opera that he was quoting the matsuko mm-hmm. and that's where he was getting these like the, the tit willow the the tit willow tit willow mm-hmm. tit willow that mm-hmm. that's where he was getting it from and i can't believe i took it out i fucking missed out dived in too much and took too much shit out but um basically like his last couple letters were, were based on on that um and it that was like the that the creepy part of it was was using that uh those lines yeah hmm. yeah the uh the mikado is what it was called okay Mikado is a comic opera, uh, which opened on uh, March 14th of 1885 in London. 
and and he kind of added his own lyrics and stuff and that's where he got like the whole mount diablo code and radians and inches and all that shit yeah um but at the end of his last um they called it the exorcist letter uh he included a symbol at the bottom which no one has been able to make out what the fuck it means and it was never included in any of his other letters or cryptograms it was just some like random shit he came up with apparently Hmm. yeah now in april 2004 the san francisco police department marked the zodiac killer case as inactive citing caseload pressure and resource demands it effectively closed the case although it was reopened sometime before march of 2007 the case is still open in napa county for the murders Mm -hmm. and in riverside just pretty far away. Um, there is a unsolved murder of Sherry Joe Bates, which they think may have been done by the Zodiac, although they haven't been able to prove anything yet. It remains open for that reason. And in May of 2018, the Vallejo Police Department announced their intentions to attempt to collect the Zodiac Killer's DNA from the back of the stamps he used during his correspondences when he sent the letters yeah. to the to the newspapers. Mm-hmm. This is going along the lines of what we were talking about before with all the new advances in technology. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they're holding on to hope mm-hmm. uh, because they're hoping they can catch the Zodiac in the same fashion that they, they caught the Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. But however, as uh, as of May of 2021, no results have been reported yet. Hmm. Now, there are some suspects that um, were talked about and thrown around, and ultimately they can't nail down. Um, I'll kind of... Uh, the whole thing with the, the Riverside murder is just like her stabbing and pretty much beheading. Um, There was some uh, confessions that were received by uh, the Riverside Police and the Riverside Press Enterprise Mm -hmm. that looked pretty similar to uh, the Zodiac's calling card. Yeah. And so that's why they're keeping that one open. Yeah. Um, There was also a couple other disappearances and murders that uh, there was one in Lake Tahoe um, that uh, Paul, uh, we'll, we'll go into a, a guy named Paul Avery. Do we talk about Lawrence Kane at all? <clears throat> he comes up. Okay. He comes up. Um, but there was a postcard that was sent to the Chronicle um, that was believed to be from the Zodiac that appeared to claim responsibility for the disappearance of a Donna Lass on September 6th of 1970 um, from Lake Tahoe. But again, they, it, there has been no evidence that has been uh, uncovered to definitively, definitively connect the disappearance with the Zodiac killer, but it's still on that list. Gotcha. Um, to me, the disappearances don't fit with what he's doing. I mean, the killers sometimes evolve and 
they want to get away with it longer, so they'll do different stuff. Mm-hmm. And if the person's missing, they can go way longer. Obviously, there's nothing to trace anything to because there's no body. You know what I mean? So it's possible he just evolved to keep doing it longer. But the way he's so brash about everything, I don't see him disappearing anybody. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so either. Um, it, it doesn't fit in his repertoire. His, mm-hmm. his... Yeah, it's not his style. Yeah, and because also think about it during his one of the like I said the most famous killings he did, uh, where he's wearing the executioner's outfit with the zodiac symbol on his chest, like he was walked out of a car, walked what he said 500, 700 yards to where the spot where he killed people were, like he walked in an open field wearing this. Mm-hmm. God awful outfit. Like he's he's all about being flashy, you know. He knew people might see him. Yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. wearing this clearly evil looking outfit where he looks like an executioner. He's not worried about hiding yeah. who he kills. You know, yeah. it's unfortunate that they haven't caught him because he was so flashy. But I don't think that like his, my main point is his disappearances don't sound like it's him. No, he, he was more about murders. And it just so happened that he had a survivor, two survivors. Um, which I can also, he didn't I can also plan on. Picture, uh, no, he didn't plan on any survivors. No, no, no. Uh, so they, they were never supposed to get that description out of him unless someone else saw him. But it's also talking about how he was nerdy, sending these letters, calling himself the Zodiac. You can see him in his apartment, his, his studio apartment, knitting this thing together. <laughs> Putting, yeah, the, putting this the costume bib. thing. Yeah, the yeah. bib and, and with the Zodiacs. Like, yeah, this is so cool. <laughs> finding those, those cool flip-up sunglasses. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Um, one thing of interest is he made sure the females died. So he hated women. If you look at all the, the murders. Mm-hmm. The ones that survived were males. He just didn't... He, he figured he'd pretty much knock out the the threat and then go do what he came here for, which is murder <clears throat> young girls. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it kind of it leads in the investigation of the mindset, right? We talk about mm-hmm. um, looking at serial killers and what drives them, and you know, maybe mm-hmm. there was something in his, <clears throat> his yeah. If, if his, this were his life, where he had a a stigma towards females and right. That's what I was going to say. If this were one of my episodes, we'd spend a good hour talking about his upbringing. Cause I'm sure it's not good. Yeah. If we knew who he was, that's what I'm saying. If it was <laughs> yeah. one of my murder episodes, uh, we'd be talking an hour about his upbringing. Cause I'm sure there's some trauma there or some brain injury or something to do with his mom or sister because of his, if he's attacking women the way he is, there's gotta be something there in his upbringing that just left him it's just like trauma really yeah traumatized with like something to do with his mom i'm sure of it the way he's attacking these women mm-hmm. and then he maybe like i said he's taking out the males uh he figures he stabbed the guy 10 times like that's that would kill a lot of people you know mm-hmm. and so he figured like, oh i got them out of the way they're disabled now i can take my time with the females and do what i actually came here to do yeah and the dude he shot in the face and in the chest it's like yeah why aren't you dead? Yeah, those people should be. I'm glad they survived, but man, that is brutal. Yeah, that is honestly brutal to survive that. Like, good for you. Yeah, and and you had mentioned uh, Lawrence Kane. Yeah. The reason he came up was there was a 
failed uh, kidnapping, we'll say, mm-hmm. of a woman named uh, Kathleen Johns, who was driving from San Bernardino to uh, Petaluma to visit her mother. Um, she was seven months pregnant and had her 10-month-old daughter beside her. And while driving uh, on their way to Petaluma, they were uh, near Modesto where uh, a car behind her started honking and flashing its headlights. So she pulled off the road and stopped. And the man that was in the car behind her that was flashing uh, its lights and honking its horn approached the car and stated that um, he observed that her right rear wheel was wobbling <clears throat> and then offered to tighten the lug nuts. This is in the movie. I didn't watch right? the movie, so I, I, uh, I dude, watch that movie. It's great. Is it? Is it? It's really good. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I probably have, but it's I don't a, remember. It's a thriller. It's, it's an older yeah. movie. It's yeah. a thriller. It's, it's actually done really well. Yeah. I probably have. I just, I can't remember those yeah. older movies when I was relatively young. Yeah. But this is, this is a, I feel like he did this more than once, and it's like it ends up being like the mechanic guy. Yeah, so he he quote unquote tightened up the lug nuts, mm-hmm. uh, and then drove off. And then when Kathleen um, drove back onto the highway, her wheel came off the car. Just it happened to come off after he worked. Yeah, and yeah. then the same man returned, mm. and then offered to drive her uh, to the nearest gas station for help. So both her and her daughter climbed into his car. Now, during that ride to the nearest gas station, uh, they passed several service stations on the way, but the man did not stop. And this went on for about 90 minutes. And he drove back and forth around the back roads uh, near Tracy, which is a city out there. Uh, When Kathleen asked why he was not stopping, uh, he would just change the subject and -hmm. then keep driving around. Uh, when he finally stopped at an intersection, Kathleen, realizing something's not right, mm-hmm. uh, jumped out of the car with her daughter, and they hid in a f- nearby field, and this was at night. This is probably their saving grace, because the driver had a search for them uh, with a flashlight mm-hmm. and kept calling out that, I'm not here to hurt you, I'm not here to hurt you, um, could not find them, and then... Um, eventually gave up and drove off and they get the description of the guy that found him. Yep. So Kathleen uh, was able to get a ride back uh, to a police station mm-hmm. and uh, gave her report to a, a, a sergeant that was on duty, saw the uh, composite sketch of the teenager's account of the cab driver's murder, Paul Stein. Yeah. Yeah. And recognized him as a man who abducted her and her child. The composite looks exactly the same. Yes. And that is what brings us to Lawrence Kane. Mm -hmm. Because she was the one who picked out Lawrence Kane in a photo lineup. So she was coming for him hard. Yes. And how there's a lot of uh, kind of stigmatism around him because he had some brain injuries and. They couldn't really nail him mm-hmm. for it, but he is one of the uh, the front runners. He was a, a vet who served in the Navy in World War II, uh, picked up some criminal convictions, 
um, and happened to be, you know, in the area of the murders. So there's a lot of fingers pointing towards him. It just, he hasn't been actually like officially nailed as. Yeah. The, the reason that Zodiac. I, the reason I want to talk about Lawrence Kane is that, um, you know, this past year, 2020 to 2020, so almost two years now, year and a half, um, there's been a pandemic, right? Are you aware of that? There's been a what? thing going a around. Oh, There's a pandemic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So people have been in their houses doing nothing for quite some time. So a lot of people, um, actually at 340 cipher, the Z340 was, was solved during the pandemic because people had time. It's basically mm-hmm. people had time and they were, um, so they, they decoded it and uh, figured out the 340, which we talked about already, right? We already read it. Yeah. 340. Okay. Uh, I hope you were in a, uh, having lots of fun and trying to catch me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, another guy named Face, Faisal, Faisal Zirao. I think he's... Yeah, Zirao's. Yeah, Zirao. So he, he claims in the past, like, what, July? So the past three months... So it's been about four months that he claimed to figure out Z13 and Z32, which is said to be impossible because there's such, like we talked about it before, such small sample of um, uh, symbols, right? So you, but he claims that the same cipher used in the first one is to, he just continued using that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't track. A lot of people disagree with what he's saying, but according to him, he says that the name he got was... Zayer, and he says that's way too close to Zane to be a coincidence, right? Yeah. So he's saying that Lawrence or Kane, Kare, not Kane, not Zane, uh, Kare. Uh, I thought it was, it was the other way. So it's uh, Kare, yeah, K A Y R. K A Y R. Yep. K A Y R. That's what he claims, right? Um, and then that's way too close to Kane. So he's thinking this guy's Lawrence Kane. That's he's pointing the finger at Lawrence Kane because it's just too coincidental, he says. But the other one, uh, he says, Z32 says, uh, Labor Day find 45.069 North 58.719 West, which uh, that was referencing the school bus or the school that he was going to blow up, quote unquote, blow up that never happened. And he says that it just so happens that these coordinates, if you look them up, is a... Uh, is, is the California city of South Lake Tahoe. Um, and he says it just happens to line up with that school. So he's saying that the, his method works because this relatively, this school or these uh, coordinates lead to a school. So why wouldn't the other cipher, cipher work? Yeah. Like he's saying that because I got this right, even though it's not 100%, uh, you know, corroborated by FBI or anybody. He's saying that because he got the coordinates right for the school, that Zane or uh, Kare, I don't know what keeps saying Zane, but uh, Kare is Kane. And so Lawrence Kane is the guy. That's what he's saying. But, you know, a lot of people have disagreed with him. No. Yeah, I mean, uh, he used a thing called um, the the Trifid Alphabet, Mm -hmm. which was another classic cipher that was invented in 1902. And again, you, you talk about coordinates and 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 being, uh, you know, with the school. He found that. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, um, the care, the K A Y R that he got, mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence Lawrence Kane was born Lawrence Klein, but he changed his name to Lawrence K K A Y E, 
mm. at the age of 17. Then then he changed his name to Kane in the 1960s. So K-A-Y-E is really close to K-A-Y-R. It is. So that's that's another little thing there. And if you look at the picture of Lawrence Kane, he's uh, he's got them glasses and he's got that hair. Yeah. He so does. I mean he he looks a lot like the guy. Just saying. Yeah, he used the Z three forty cipher, uh, and then applied a simple letter to a number switch. Mm-hmm. And then he found coordinates, which he believes to be in Lake Tahoe, like you said, which he deemed interesting at the time because of the murder victim Donna Lass that had missing that had went missing from there a few months later. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he speculates that he was sending a message that he would commit a murder at that location. Oh, look, I just found this list because I was I was curious about his life because I was thinking since Kane is such a big part, like I was saying, his childhood had to be pretty brutal. Um, I didn't find anything about his life. I just found his that he went by a different name in the beginning. But here's like 10 points of why it could be him. OK, OK. So the Z13 cipher begins A-E-N-K, an anagram for Kane. Coincidence. So Kane studied at the Radio Material School and was admitted to its electronics training program. Um, This is a highly classified military training program. And those admitted to the intensely competitive program scored in the top two or three percent of intelligence quotient in the nation. Not a dumb guy, basically. Okay. So he would be able to come up with a cryptogram. And at a certain point, Kane had a picture of a Zodiac chart on his wall. Hmm. Hmm. He lived just two blocks from where taxi drivers Paul Stein picked up Zodiac. So that might have been his house mm-hmm. that he followed him to. Yes. Um, after studying Kane's photo, the officer who saw Zodiac at the Paul Stein killing said, I've seen hundreds of photos since then, and this is the best likeness. So the guys that you're talking about that let him go. Yeah. Uh, they said this guy looks most like the guy we stopped. Damn. So he, Kane actually has a long criminal history that dates back to when he was in his early 20s. Um, he was in the Navy, uh, which the Zodiac is also believed to have served. I don't know where that came from, but uh, survivor Brian Hartnell, who spoke with Zodiac, said after hearing Kane's voice, his speech is certainly consistent with the voice I heard, although it's been too long to be certain. So Kane's physical characteristics, the way he looks, match some descriptions of the Zodiac killer. Both were five foot nine and approximately same weights with dark hair. Uh, Kane is 45, was 45 year old when the killing began, and they had estimated, uh, I guess the court, uh, Quantico had estimated because they did a profile on the guy, uh, that he was between 40 and 45. So to add to this, Kane had a brain injury that affected his ability to control self gratifications, so like I was saying, some kind of injury to his or something that happened in his childhood, and that could be it. Yeah. You know, you can get brain injuries and be fine, but sometimes you get hit in the right spot and it just changes your whole personality or turns you into someone who doesn't care, you know, doesn't have the ability yeah, to now, feel. Now you have impulses. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just uh, more on Lawrence Kane. I'm liking it. Yeah. I'm liking it. I think that's why, again, the Zodiac movie points heavily to him, and I think this is why. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> again, Kathleen uh, Johns. Yeah was in the freaking car with him pointed him out in the lineup yeah i mean if you're that close to him and you spend so much time with him you're definitely gonna get the right guy you know what i mean and it matched the uh 
the sketch artist rendition of him after mm-hmm. the, the the Paul Stein murder. So yeah, we'll post a picture of uh, Lawrence Kane and next yeah. to the uh, the description or the uh, drawing. Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy, but mm-hmm. that's uh that's a zodiac. It's still unsolved, although there's people that think they know who did it. Yeah, myself and Octavio, or like <laughs> this is the guy. Just fucking nail him for it. Yeah, um, just any guy out there. Yeah, I have very, very uh, borderline suspicions about this guy. Yeah, very. But uh, so it's him, though. Definitely him. <laughs> That's the Zodiac. That was a good one. It. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. This is definitely one of the more well-known ones. But yeah. uh, yeah, uh, hit us up on our socials: Facebook and Instagram, Bloodthirsty Times. Uh, gmail bloodthirstypod at gmail.com and uh, let us know what other famous cases you want us to cover there's a ton catch you next time yeah bye love you yay <laughs>